0: Let's jump into it. Today we conclude uh, a three-week series we've been in called Prayers of the People. Have you enjoyed the series, church? Good. Much better than 9 a.m. response. Much better. So today you're my favorite service. Um, now, uh, we just concluded uh, a 21 days of prayer and fasting, and so I just want to say thank you for participating in that. If you participated in that, whether you did the devotional, you participated in the fast, or you came to prayer, just want to say thank you for doing that. I promise you, uh, you will see uh, the dividends of that throughout the year and the benefit of that. Um, I hope that it was a blessing to you and just encourage you that prayer is not something we do just... Twice a year for 21 days, okay? Prayer is a lifestyle, uh, and it's something that I encourage you to uh, continue in as you are learning uh, in this uh, journey of prayer. We really do believe that prayer changes things, and, and that's what the series has been about. And I want to share with you and just kind of remind you the theme verse of this series. It's Ephesians 6, 18. It says this. Pray in the spirit in every situation. And so what we've been talking about is that prayer is not a one-time thing. It's not something you do when times are bad or you're at a funeral. It's something you should be doing always. We have a mantra here, pray first. Uh, But Before you you take your kids to school, pray first. Before you send that email or take that meeting, pray first. Before you go into uh, a doctor's appointment, pray first. Pray first should be our mantra. The next part of the verse goes on to say this, use every kind of prayer and request that there is. This is what generated this series right here. Many of us are thinking, I didn't know there were many different types of requests that you can make, many different types of prayers you can pray. And what I want to do in this series, what we've been doing is giving you different types of prayers that people prayed in the Bible and teaching us how we too can adopt those methods and how we can pray as we pray to God. And for some of us, we struggle in the area of prayer. I just, it's just something that many of us do. We know how to worship. We know how to read the Bible. But praying to God, how do you even do that? And if I'm honest, I've been in seasons like that as well where I've been in a season where prayer I'd pray more out of a discipline than a delight. I've been in those seasons too where I struggle. And, and for some of us, we just don't know how to pray. And so what we end up doing is just not praying or we struggle through it. Well, what we've been doing this series is trying to introduce to you a different way to pray. We need to find a different style, a different method, a different way to pray to God. For some of us, we've just been praying the same prayers, the same way, the same words, the same time. And now prayers just become predictable, unenjoy- unenjoyable, maybe, maybe even boring for you. And what we're doing is giving you some more material, some new ways to pray, some new ideas by looking at prayers of people in the Bible. Now, there's some great people in the Bible and some great prayers that we can learn from. And I'm hoping throughout the series you're learning new ways to pray. And here's what I really want is that for you to pray again and more than that, enjoy praying again. So, to recap in week one, I gave you maybe my favorite way to pray, the method, the process. We started out this series by looking at the man Moses, this prayer of Moses, or also known as the tabernacle prayer. Moses was instructed to set up what was kind of like a temporary church as they traveled before they got to the, 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 um, the temple. They, they set up this tabernacle, this, this portable church, and, and they were instructed to put furniture in different places, and they had to go through certain rituals and certain process in order to get to the presence of God, the Holy of Holies. And we went through each of those and showed you how that's a great model, a great way to pray as you connect with God. Last week, I maybe showed you my favorite prayer uh, to pray in the Bible. We looked at the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez, his name means pain. And and if you think about a man in pain and he goes to pray to God, what's he going to pray about? He's going to pray about his pain. But pain didn't pray about his pain. Pain prayed about his blessing and his promise that God had for him. That was a great message if you want to go back and listen to that one. He talked about four things uh, that he prayed about. He prayed for blessing. And then once he had blessing, he prayed for influence. And once he had blessing and influence, he said, God, I need your presence. And once he had the presence of God, he said, now, God, I need your protection. It's just four little things you can pray every single day. And today, I want to end this series by looking at a way that I pray that's really more about a posture of prayer. It's a ment, It's a mental way that I think about as I go about prayer, how do I process prayer? Like, what's in my mind when I go to pray? We looked at a method. We look at a prayer. Today, I just want to look at your posture of prayer. Like, like what do you think about when you pray? What's your perspective when you pray? I want to share with you The prayer of David, or one of his prayers that we read in Psalms, and this is a perfect posture of prayer towards God, all right? So if you're taking message notes, uh, the title of today's message is the posture of prayer, the mentality we have when we go into prayer, okay? So let's pray as we kick this thing off. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for our family here today. Lord, would you speak to our hearts on this issue of prayer and our posture towards it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Everybody said? Amen. All right. want to start out by asking you this question. Why should God answer our prayers? Have you thought about that? Why should God answer our prayers? I want to talk about our posture when we go to God in prayer. And if we're going to talk about the posture we have when we go to God in prayer, we need to ask the question, why are we even praying? Like, how would you answer that question? Why are you even praying? And most people would respond with, well, I've been a really good person. You know, I go to church. I try really hard. Well, I'm in need, and God loves me, doesn't he? He's a good God. I've repented. I've surrendered to God, and, and my heart is in the right place. That's why, that's why my prayer should be answered, right? All those things are good, but they're the incorrect answers. You know, these are reasons... They're great reasons, but they're not why God answers your prayers. And the reason God answers your prayers is not that, but it actually, the reason he answers your prayers is good news for you and I today. You see, God answering our prayers has nothing to do with us. Think about that. This is good news for you and me. Well, I was going to answer your prayers, but man, you really messed up this week, so you're just going to have to suffer, you know? That's that's how we think, right? I mean, because I've been good, so God therefore has to reward me. But if I haven't been good, does that mean God allows me to suffer? You see, God answering our prayers has everything to do with him and nothing to do with us. So here's our posture when we go into prayer. When I go into prayer, my perspective is focused on who God is, not what I need. So... If we were to take all the prayers of the people throughout Scripture, we would find one thing in common with all of them, and that is that their prayer focus was on God and not themselves. They would start out with, God, you are so wonderful, not God, I am so wonderful. Therefore, you need to answer my prayers. They would focus on the names of God, and the names of God would be elevated. The names of God would be praised. This is why the third commandment of the Ten Commandments is to not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, most people think this is about cussing. Yeah, you filthy mouths, right? Like, the third commandment, no, no. Well, that's really actually not what it's about. What that commandment is actually about is understanding the power that you and I hold in declaring and praising and claiming the name of God over every situation of life. That's what that commandment is about. The name of God holds power, so therefore we can't misuse it. And for a lot of us, we need to realize the power we have, so don't waste it. This is why Jesus taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He started out by praising the name of God, not presenting his problems to God. And that's how most of us do. We go into it with a, with a laundry list of needs and problems, and God, look at me. This is why you need to answer my prayers. See, Paul even picks this thing up in chapter 2 of Philippians Verse 9, he says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. You see, the proper perspective of prayer is to base your prayer on the name of God. It's, it's like the ultimate trump card, it's the ultimate trump card to the devil, basing your prayers on the name of God. We, uh, we do this as parents. So, so, hey, go tell Eden it's time to eat. Eden, it's time to eat. I'm not hungry. Leave me alone, right? That's usually the response of your kids, right? Tell Eden, Daddy said it's time to eat. Eden, Daddy says it's time to eat. Coming. You know, it's like the ultimate trump card. You do this, parents. I know you do. You send your kids as messengers and make them threaten each other and stuff, you know, under your name, you know. There's something that happens when Daddy gets involved. Even the name of daddy gets involved. Something happens. And as believers, we hold this trump card. We can play this trump card anytime we want. Hey, devil, daddy said so. This is the trump card we have. Okay, so my perspective and my posture when I pray, I pray the names of God just like David did in Psalm 23. You see, throughout scripture, there are eight covenant names of God. Eight covenant names of God all throughout the scripture. New Testament, Old Testament, eight covenant names of God. And it just so happens all eight of those names are found in one place in scripture, in one prayer, in Psalm of David, Psalm 23. So I want to read this Psalm to you and I'm going to see if you can catch the eight covenant names of God. Check this out. Here we go. Starting in verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There you go. Did you see the eight names? Yes. You psalm, you saw him. clear, right? It's clear as day. No, it's kind, of, it, it, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through this psalm and help you see the eight covenant names of God. The, this prayer of David—he's praying the name of God. The posture he's coming to God is through the name of God. So I want to go through this psalm, and we're going to find these eight points. Okay, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is on the deep end of the pool. Okay. Some of y'all, y'all want a deep. I don't even know what that means, but you're gonna get a deep today, okay? So this is on the deep end of pool. Um, it's a great message to take some notes. All right, there's a note card in the seat in the back pocket in front of you. Great message, to take some notes. I'm gonna give you eight points. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? The first of the eight names of God that David claims and cries out right here. Let's read it together. Psalm 23:1. The Lord is my shepherd. shepherd. Notice how David says he is not a shepherd. He's not the shepherd he is my shepherd david made it personal between him and god look at me i want you to make it personal between you and god for god's not just a name he's not just an image he's not just the one we come and talk about on sunday mornings this is one that really gets me he's not the big guy upstairs i hate that but he's he's my god he's my savior You know, God wants to have a personal relationship with you. So here's the first posture I take in prayer, as we just read verse 1. Here's what it is. You are my shepherd. And I'm going to give you the covenant name here on each of these. The covenant name for God for this one is Jehovah-Reyah. Jehovah-Reyah. This word literally means, you are my pastor. You are my pastor. So the first thing... That I pray is, God, you are my shepherd. You are my pastor. Let me tell you, pastors are a gift from God. I know I wrote that and I said that. <laughs> and I'm a pastor, but it's in my notes. I, I got to read it. <laughs> Man, I've always had a pastor in my life who, who, who I've submitted to and, and called my own pastor. And I have uh, such a great pastor and Pastor Jess who you've met. But I'm telling you, I need a pastor and I'm telling you, you need a pastor. Every Christian needs a church to call home and a pastor to call their pastor. Hey, hear me i don 't care if it's not this church or me, but you need to have a church and you need to have a pastor. I believe there are seasons where you are church shopping, where you 're kicking the tires and waiting for us to offend you. you know like that 's why I just do it a lot. They just hopefully get it out of the way like you 're going to be offended like <laughs> I understand the seasons, but there's got to be a place, just a moment where you commit. You commit to a local church. You commit to a pastor. And if you want to commit to this church, I'll tell you a great way to do this, to come to Life LifeTrack and learn more about who we are and actually become a member of this church. We, we want to pray for you. We want to cover you. We want to know who's in our congregation. But I would encourage you, if it's this church or another, commit to a local body and a local pastor. Because God establishes churches and he establishes pastors. But the good news is we have a chief pastor and my job is to guide you to the one true shepherd. John 10, 14 says this, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. So so God, you are my pastor. You are my shepherd. Lead and feed me. The voice of another, I will not follow. Lead and feed me. That's my job as a pastor. I always think is to lead the 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 church, feed the congregation, and protect the congregation. Lead, feed, and protect, because I get to shepherd the sheep, man. But I also got to war off the wolves. That's what a shepherd does. So, God, you are my pastor. You're my shepherd. Lead and feed me. Protect me. The voice of another I will not follow. Okay, that's the, that's the point number one. That's the first thing we see in this prayer. But the prayer goes on. Still in verse 1, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Here's a second one right here. I shall not want. Here's a second posture I take in prayer. God, you are my provider. The covenant name for this right here is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. It means you are my provider. You are my provider. He supplies everything that I need. You know, the tendency for many of us is to really just to become our own providers, right? We become our own providers. Well, i just encourage you today not to do that. Why? Because we don't want to trust in our own riches. We want to trust in the God who richly provides. There's a difference there. You see, when we become our own providers, we begin to focus on our provision. And what we tend to focus on is what we tend to put our trust into. So when we focus on us providing for ourselves and what we've brought to the table, we then put our trust in that very thing instead of putting our trust in God. When you do that, it it just takes control of your life. Maybe you've been there before. It just controls you. It possesses you. It's dangerous. You know, there's a statistic out there that tells us that the richest people in the world give the least amount in the world. Why? Because they want to be financially stable. They look to gain and not to give. I'm not saying everyone. I'm just saying that's a statistic. But here's what I think. I think financial stability is a myth. When that's your aim, that's your goal, that's what you're seeking after, it's a myth. Here's why. I want to disprove this to you right now. Because how much money would you need to have in order to feel financially stable? Think about that. The answer is more than you currently have, all right? That's that's the answer. (laughs) Therefore, you're never going to achieve it. It's dangerous. It's a a dangerous thought because when we believe in that thought that I can attain financial stability and financial security, I then am reaching and grabbing for anything and everything that can provide for me instead of simply trusting in the one who provides. Statistically, those with less money give more. Why? Because they have a trust in God. Because... God's gonna have to come through because I can't come through for myself. There's a dependency on God, not on oneself. That's a great place to be. Philippians 4, 19 says this, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I pray, you are my pastor, and God, you are my provider. And the verse goes on. Point number three, here we go. The second verse says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I love this right here. He makes me lie down. You see, if you don't lie down, he will make you lie down. This this is why I feel like I get sick. It's because I go so hard and I refuse to slow down. And God's like, I'm about to make you slow down, COVID. You know, it's like (laughs) broken ribs. (laughs) So here's the third posture I take in prayer. Here it is. God, you are my peace. You are my peace. Here's the covenant name. That David gives them. It says, Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. That means, you are my peace. You see, we spend so much time and effort looking for things that will bring us peace. Some of you need to hear this right here. You don't need another vacation. You don't need another counseling appointment. You don't need another shot. You don't need another hit. That's just going to numb you. No, you need Jesus. And Jesus is the one who will bring you peace. In fact, Jesus doesn't bring you peace. Jesus is peace. The Bible calls him the prince of peace. And I realize that some of you here today are under a great amount of stress. You're starting companies, you entrepreneurs, you know. You're growing families and you're making big decisions. I get it. I go through stressful situations myself. But, but we have, some of us have work-related stress, we have money-related stress, we have family-related stress, you have health-related stress, and some of y'all take on stress just because you can. You're just like, I can be stressed out about that, sign me up, you know? <laughs> Don't you feel like we're all just always so stressed out? Now the election's coming up, now we're all going to be stressed out, you know? <laughs> I'm guilty of it as well, but here's what I'm learning, that everything that is doable is not sustainable. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, Better one handful with tranquility. I love this. One handful with tranquility, with peace, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind, stressed out. Some of you have both your hands full. You did it. You did it. But you're stressed. You hate your life. You know, we live in this society where we say, If, if one is good, then two is Better. So so let's do this. If $1 is good, then $2 is? If one activity is good, then two activities is? If one wife is good, then two wives is wrong. (laughs) Wrong. Somebody in the first service yelled out, expensive. (laughs) It was so good. (sighs) It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. So here's how how Jesus said it, John 14, 27. He says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I would encourage you, if you're stressed out, hear me. This is the problem. If you are stressed out today, you have found an area where you lack peace. Peace. Therefore, ask Jehovah Shalom to come in and give you peace in the area that you are lacking in. So I pray, you are my pastor, you are my provider, and you are my peace. And the prayer goes on. Here's verse 3. He restores my soul. You know, restores here means to heal, to heal. So fourth posture I take in prayer. Here it is right here. God, you are my healer. And this is the covenant name. This is Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. It means you are my healer. You know, the word healer means, check this out, it doesn't mean that you would just feel better or, you know, you'd get well. The word healer actually means to return to the place of origin. So at one point, your health was good, and now it's declined. What God wants to do is he wants to restore you to your original place of origin. At one point, your marriage was great. Now it's struggling. Well, he wants to heal you to your original place of origin. Do you know that you have a God who wants to bring back and restore to you everything that the devil has stolen? He wants to restore you to your original place of origin. I have an announcement today. Our great physician has not closed up shop, he's still in business. God is still healing today, church. It's a great place to say amen, yeah. Jesus is our healer, and it is by his sacrifice that we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. That's why he went to the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And anytime I pray for someone for healing, I pray this right here. By his wounds, you are healed. Not because you're a good person or because I have this special anointing in my fingertips. It's because his wounds you're healed. Once you were like sheep and you wandered, but now you have returned to your shepherd, there it is again, the guardian of your souls. You know, Jesus, he wants to heal your body, but he wants to do more than that. You see, our bodies will one day perish I mean, you're, look, you're not looking at Jared Lyons here. You're looking at a handsome vessel that carries a spirit and a soul man. <laughs> Why do people laugh at that joke, you know? It's like, I guess it is a joke. This vessel this vessel carries a soul, which I got to warn you today, sometimes your, if your soul is sick, it can be much worse than your physical body being sick. So God God not only wants to heal your physical body, he not only wants to heal your diseases, but your soul over here, he wants to heal you where you are at dis-eased. There are places in your life that are not at ease. He wants to heal those areas as well. And any place that's not functioning the way you were created to function, we pray, Jehovah Rapha, heal those areas, restore it back to how it was originally created to be, its original origin. So I want you, as your pastor, to walk in healing, so I need to teach you how you receive healing. Here it is. You're ready for it? Through people. This is one of those verses that I have to talk to Dr. Jack about and go, why is a verse like this in the Bible? I don't understand it. Therefore, James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. So so God chose to usher in salvation to the world through his son Jesus. And God chose to usher in healing into this world through people. Today we have our block party. We don't do this just so you can meet some friends, although that's a great byproduct. We do this so you can experience healing. Because you can't find healing outside of community. You can't experience life change without community. And so here's what we're getting after. Like, I know it's awkward out there sometimes to jump into a new group like you don't even know if you like these people yet, you know? You don't even know if you like this church yet. And you're like, now you want to be, be in a group, and you, you go, and it's like you, you commit to one, and it you have to change your schedule up. you got to get a babysitter. You're like, you're missing bingo night. Like, I don't know what it is, but you're just like, I'm going to commit to it. And then, and then you go, and it's like you're getting past the awkwardness, and do I even like these people? Do I get along with them? Like, that person over there smells weird. You're just like, you're going through all the emotion. I'm telling you, it's a group. I get it, right? Like, you're in it, though, and you're and then you start, you're like, actually, they're not that bad. And like, well, maybe I'm the one that smells. Just kidding. And then you're just like, you're like, you just like, you, you get into this group, you get in this role, and then like, you're week three or four, and you're like, you don't want to bring your junk in. But you're like, man, I really want to talk to somebody and tell them what I'm going through. And then week four hits, and you're like, you know what, I just feel like i got to tell you guys, you know, I, I'm struggling with this. Here's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to create an atmosphere to where you actually learn to take the mask off. Because I know we're all wearing masks. This is the best version of myself, and that's all that you get to see until you really get to know me. And in groups, you just create a place where you get to take the mask off, and you say, you know what, this is where I'm struggling. And then someone over here says, you too? I struggle with the same thing. And next thing you know, it becomes a great community of healing for you. This is what we're trying to create in groups. I really encourage you to stop and visit these life life groups, and find a life tribe that fits you. And one that I just want to point out is our freedom groups that Pastor Monica leads. If you want to get free from your past, that just feels like you're just holding you back, habitual sins and bloodline curses and strongholds and these things that you know are just a little bit deeper, I encourage you to join our freedoms uh, small group where you really will experience true healing. So I pray you are my pastor, you are my provider, you are my peace, you are my healer, And the verse goes on. Psalm 23.3 says this, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This is an interesting statement because it tells us that there are multiple paths, but the one that he has for you is a righteous path. So here's the fifth posture I take in prayer. God, you are my righteousness. And this is the covenant name right here is Jehovah Sitkanu. Jehovah, the T is silent, Sitkanu. And it means you are my righteousness. Like, God, I know I keep messing up, but you keep making me right with God. Like, I know that I keep doing wrong, but you keep making me right. See, Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross and in so doing made you right with God. You were in sin. You were wrong. You racked up a debt that you could not pay, me included. And then Jesus stepped in and says i'll pay that penalty for you and i will make you right with god and when god looks down he'll see me not you so hear me jesus paid for your sins past present and future even the ones that you're going to commit before you even leave the parking lot all right he's going he died for those as well so not only has this is what I, not only has he made you in right standing with god through his death on the cross but in so doing he puts you on a path of righteousness It's not just one, it's both. And I know even me saying that, you're like, righteousness? Like, I don't even know if I want that kind of lifestyle. It just sounds boring, like monk, like a monk-style lifestyle. I don't know if I can do that, you know? i got to tell you, the righteous life that God has for you is so much better than the one you've chose to live on your own. 1 Peter 1, 14-16 says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the devil... The evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Listen, God wants to put you on a path and a lifestyle of holiness. That's righteousness. Let him lead you. Quit fighting him. He has a better life planned for you than the one that you're living right now. So I pray, you are my pastor, you are my provider, you are my peace, you are my healer, and you are my righteousness. And the prayer goes on. Verse 4. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what this is? This is my favorite one of all of them right here. This is my favorite. Here's what it is. God, you are there. God, you are there. You're not you're not right there. God, you're there. Like that's who you are. That's your name. You are there. When I go to the funeral, you are there. When I go to the hospital, you are there. When I go to that counseling appointment, you are there. When I go on vacation, you are there. That's a scary thought for some of you guys. He's there, even in that run right there. <laughs> Here's the best way I can say it. Here's the sixth posture I take in prayer. You're my constant companion. You're there. And the covenant name for this is Jehovah Shema. Jehovah Shema. It means you are always there. You're always there. So last week I preached on the protection of God and how my family is constantly under attack. But we pray the Lord protects us and we we, we believe He does. And I shared with you just how two days after Christmas my truck got stolen. If you weren't here last week, two days after Christmas, I was at the Domain, and my truck got stolen out of the parking garage, and I just feel like, you know, the attacks just kept coming. It comes, the enemy attacks us, and I just, I told you, I just feel like it's a part of the job. I'm actually honored. It's a part of the job, because you don't get tackled sitting on the sidelines, that's what I would say. Well, after telling that story and doing ministry all day and having life track, go home, and, man, as, as staff and pastors, man... Sunday afternoons are the best, you know. Like we're just so tired, and, and we get home, we get to I change into sweatpants. You know, that's how that's how low I was, you know. Um, <laughs> like legit sweatpants, like not cool ones, like sweatpants. Um, <laughs> like I'm about to just like lay lay down and go to sleep. Like I was tired, gonna take a nap. And uh, watch some football, and, and uh, my son Judah, seven years old, he's, uh, uh, one, he, he's a pyro, okay, like we all men are, and he's like, Dad, can we make a fire? I'm like, sure, so he goes out, gets the wood, starts making a fire in the fireplace, and, and uh, he said, Dad, I need a, I need a lighter, um, and so I said, okay, let me go find a lighter, and I turn my back to him, and I hear him say, I think there's one on the mantle, and then I hear a loud crash. And I think about it, parents, you know, you're just like two feet away from your son, you hear a loud crash, and you don't know what you're about to turn to. And I turn, and I remember my reaction was like... I just like a b- big breath, hands go on the head because what my son did was he thought there was a lighter on the mantle, uh, and so he reached up there and as he reached up there to grab the the lighter, he pulled the mantle down, and we have a a, a TV that sat on the mantle, and as he pulled the mantle down, the, the 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 mantle and TV fell on top of him, and he fell back. So I looked over to see my son buried in all this stuff there, and 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 I went like this, like I'm like. You know, first reaction is like, what did you do? And then I look at him. I didn't say anything. Parents, relax. I didn't say anything yet, okay? And I didn't know how I was going to respond to that moment. And then he is the saddest thing. Oh, my God. Maybe one of the saddest moments of my life here is Judy just starts going, Daddy, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Daddy. Daddy, I'm so sorry. And in that moment, you know, you're like, well, I can't yell at you now. Like, oh, my gosh. And then so I, with compassion, I go over to pick him up. And as I'm picking him up, I just see blood start gushing down off of his face. When he went up, when he, the, the TV fell, it hit his, the bridge of his nose and gashed it open, sliced it open. And, and I pick him up, and i stopped the bleeding. I set him down on a chair, and I called Dr. David. No joke. I'm like, <laughs> actually, I tried to FaceTime him, you know. And so I'm like, what do I do in this moment? You know, that moment where you just see, you know, such pain in your kid. And, and I'm stopping the bleeding, and he just he says this to me he says, Daddy, don't leave me. Don't leave me. So we take him to ER and get him all fixed up. I was going to show you the picture, but honestly, it was just too gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's the kid with a huge mark on his face out there. Um, so I stayed with him, I was there. there there's something about knowing that our father is there. Like, I'm in my late 30s. Even when my dad is in town, I just feel safe. I just feel safe. I feel safe with my father-in-law here. I just feel safe. You just feel, you feel safe when dad is there. You know, some of you, you feel lost. You feel unprotected. You feel unseen. You need to hear this. You have a God who sees you and who is there? He's right there. He's right next to you. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says this, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Because daddy's there. God, you're there. You're here now, right next to me. So I pray, Past, you're my pastor. You're my provider, you're my peace, you're my healer, you're my righteousness, and you are there. And the verse goes on, Psalm 23, verse 5, here we go. It says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is so beautiful. I love this one right here. Like when when your enemy wants to pick a fight and you want to fight back, God says, go have a meal. I got this. I love this one. Well, don't mind if I do. I'll take some shepherd's pie, and I'm going to go sit over here and let you do my business, you know? This, this is it. This is it right here. So the seventh posture I take in prayer, God, you are my defender. You're my defender. This covenant name right here is Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Nissi. And what this means right here, Jehovah Nissi is banner of victory. <laughs> you are my banner of victory. I think about this. Every battle that we face, God has already won. Well, let me ask you a question. If he is our defender, if he is our banner of victory, not a banner of fighting, not a banner in battle, if he's a banner of victory, means he's already won, then like my question to you is why do we even fight the battle? Some of us spend so much of our time fighting battles that God's already won. He goes and he fights for us. He defends us while we get to rest and eat And watch the show. It's like medieval times. Have you all ever been to medieval times? They're like, we're going to get some like warriors in here. And they're going to fight to the death, you know. Horses and javelins and spears and swords. And you get to eat a meal with your hands. Like we're not even going to give you silverware. You're just going to like get, (laughs) you're going to get all dirty. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. And they're going to fight for your honor. Like, this is how it is. God's like, you go rest, go have a meal, stuff your face, and watch me defeat your enemy. (laughs) 2 Thessalonians 3.3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Lord, defend me from the evil one, and I know you won't fail You're victorious. So I pray, you're my pastor. You're my provider. You're my peace. You're my healer. You're my righteousness. You are there and you're my defender. And the prayer goes on. Here's the final part. We'll conclude at this one. Psalm 23, 5. It says this, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Anoint. You know what that means? It means to give you a spiritual ability. That the hand of God is on you. There's a spiritual ability that's on you. And not only that, not only are you anointed and there's a spiritual ability on you, but your cup runs over, meaning that you have more than you need. So God wants to put you in a place where he has an anointing on you, a spiritual ability on you, but also that you have, you have plenty. You have more than you even need. Running over. So here's the eighth posture I take in prayer. We'll conclude at this one. Here it is. God, you are my sanctifier. And the covenant name for this one is Jehovah Makedesh. Jehovah Makedesh. It means God has set me apart for something special. You need to hear me on this, church. God has called you for something special. There's something special about you. There's something unique about you. You've been called, whether you believe it or not, there's a calling with your name on it. First Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. If you're ever feeling down, you're feeling depressed, feeling unloved, feeling there's no point to your life, read this verse. You're a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And God did it all for you because he knew there was something special about you. And that you then would go in your overflow and be on fire for him. You'd be a light to a dark place. You would be on mission for Jesus. There's nothing special about me, church. Other than the fact that God has touched me and anointed me to do this very thing. He has set me apart to do something special for the kingdom of God. It's called Zayo Church. What God is doing here, it's special. But it's simply the anointing of God. And I'm determined to show you that this is true for you as well. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd, there it is again, of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God, you've chosen me. You've set me apart. Now equip me and send me out on mission to do your will here in Spicewood, Texas. Okay, eight covenant names, the Psalm and the Prayer of David, Psalm 23. So here's how I approach it. Here's my perspective, here's my posture. I would encourage you to do this. Whether you have one minute, you can go through all eight. You get one hour, explore all eight. But Lord, you are Jehovah Reah. You are my pastor. Lord, you are Jehovah Jirah. You are my provider. Lord, you're Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. Lord, you're Jehovah Rapha. You are my healer. You are Jehovah Sitkenu, my righteousness. Jehovah Shema, you are there. Jehovah Nisi, you are my defender. And Jehovah Makedesh, you are my sanctifier. I'm going to close with this right here, the one takeaway, and then we'll pray. Here's what it is. God answers prayer based on who he is and not who we are. Let's pray. Take a moment right where you're at and ask the Holy Spirit what he'd have to say to you through this message. Those watching online and in overflow, just take a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me through this message? See what he says. Father, we thank you that it's about your name, not about what we need or what we've done, but it's all about your name and who you are. So God, help us to remember that as we go into prayer, that we would take the proper posture and remember it's about you and what you've done, not about who we are and what we need. So we thank you for speaking to our hearts today. I wanna close like I always do wanna pray for those who have never made a decision to trust in Jesus, never made a decision to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to take on the faith of Christ and live as he would want you to live. I wanna lead you in a prayer today. Maybe you feel lost today. Maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe there's never been a moment where you actually surrendered your life to Jesus. If that's you today, I just wanna lead you in a simple prayer to God. Praying this prayer making it personal, praying it to him and receiving Jesus today. That's you today. I want to lead you in a prayer. Just say this right in your head, right to God. Say, God, thank you for dying, for sending Jesus to die on the cross and my place for my sins. Today, I receive the faith of Jesus and I commit to following him with my life. Change me and make me new. Make me into the kind of person you want me to be. I'll live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Quick clap and celebrate those who prayed that prayer. Thank you.